0: should have probably been week one I don't know why I didn't plan it that way um, I just didn't we're going to talk about relationships just in general with others loving other people you know I, I really believe that the key to all like success in all your relationships begins and ends with being people that love um, we have to be people that love and I'll be the first one to stand up and admit. That it's hard to love people sometimes, isn't it? I mean, do you ever find it difficult to love people? We talked about this, like, I think it was last Sunday, in Sunday school class, actually. And we wrote down on the, on the note card, people that we find easy to love, and people that we find difficult to love. And uh, I think, oftentimes, there are a lot of people in my life that I find it really difficult to love. At least love in the way like Jesus has called us to love. And this concept uh, uh, of the idea of loving people, I think in our culture, we live in a culture that has twisted it, it's manipulated it, and it's made it something that it's not, and all kinds of craziness. And the Bible talks a lot about love, but it's a topic that our enemy, the devil, has uh, confused us on, confused our, our culture and, and has told lies about it. Satan has convinced The world, all kinds of lies regarding love. I want to just share a few that come to mind. Um, Love is conditional, meaning, you know, if you, I love you as long as you do what I want you to do for me. Um, Another one is, I can pick and choose who I love and who I don't love. Um, Love comes and goes. Sometimes I love and sometimes I don't. And this is a big one. Having sex means we're in love. Um, I don't have to love people I don't like or that don't like me. Uh, Love is as simple as saying, I love you. And then uh, saying I love you is just as good as showing love to someone. And then lastly... Um, which I think is probably very true in our culture today too, is no one could ever love me because I'm just not worth loving. Now it's possible um, that at some point in your life, maybe you have thought one of these things, said one of these things, believed in one of these things regarding love. And uh, let me tell you, those are lies from our enemy. Those are lies from the enemy. And perhaps we've bought into our culture's teaching about love and we've kind of fell for the fell for the trick. Or maybe you're here tonight and you just say, you know what? I just don't really understand love at all yet. I mean, I think that's possible. So, you know what? I, I get what it means to love my parents or to love my annoying brothers and sisters. Sort of. You get that, right? But to love Beyond that, I just don't know that I understand what that means. You know what? That's, maybe that's where you're at, and that's okay. I don't know where you fall on this tonight, but I believe that understanding God's desire for us to be a people of love is key to success in all of our relationships. It might absolutely just radically change the way you interact with people in a given day if you began to love more. And uh, I want to just make it, this has nothing to do with my message, I tell you, the reason I'm sitting down is because I have stood so much today. I do not want to be up and around. So, if you don't mind, I'm just going to sit tonight. Is that okay? Good. Okay, I mean, my after this morning, my back hurt so bad, I felt like I had like, been hit by something. I have no idea why. I've never had that happen to me. So, anyways, that has nothing to do with my message. But this idea of love is critical, I believe, to what it means to be a believer and a follower of Christ. It is the essence... Of what it means to be a Christian. In fact, the scriptures say this, I believe this, I didn't write my reference down, but this comes out of 1 John. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. But where does this idea at its root of being a people of love actually come from? Where does it begin? Why is it important? What does it matter? At the core, of Old Testament, if you're interested in this at all, the core of the Old Testament and Jewish beliefs and prayers and practices and, and all that good stuff, there was this prayer called the, the Shema, and I believe I'm saying that right. It's S-H-E-M-A, the Shema. We're going to say that I'm saying it right, just for the sake of tonight, because I don't really know. Um, and it was a prayer that Jewish believers would have done every single day. They would have prayed this in the morning when they got out of bed, over a meal at breakfast, at lunch at dinner, they would have prayed this before they went to bed. They would have prayed this at somebody's funeral. I mean this was a prayer that was so ingrained in the minds of Jewish believers that they wouldn't have had to look it up they wouldn't have had to ask somebody how to say it. They knew it from beginning to end like like you know your birthday, you know like you know. Your name. I mean, they knew this prayer. This was who they were. And it was this. This is part of it. This isn't the whole thing. But it comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. It says, This. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. See, this was something every Jewish person would have been familiar with. I think for the most of us in here, I would say, If you grew up in the church, you're familiar with this, right? You've heard at least heard this once, probably, right? Maybe even read it yourself or said it before or, you know, thought about it. Then Jesus comes along. In Matthew 22, we read this. A a man comes to him and says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. He goes on and says, And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the prophets, or sorry, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. See, Jesus is teaching that the greatest commandment begins with loving God. Simply put, love God with all of who you are. All your mind, strength, soul, the whole of who you are. And the second thing he puts on the same, very much the same level, almost, almost as equal of, of equal importance. You, you can, you could say that you can't have one without the other, um, which immediately made me think of the song "Love and Marriage." For those of you that know what I'm talking about, um, you can't have one without the other. He says, "Love your neighbor as yourself." And if you want to go ahead, if you have a Bible and you want to turn, we're going to actually be in First John chapter three. That's where we're going to be for the duration. Goodness, <clears throat> we're going to begin with verse eleven. It says this: "This is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another." So John is is writing to this letter, basically that's going to be passed around, and he writes, "Hey, this is the message. This idea of loving people, loving others, loving your neighbor, loving God is something that you have heard from the very beginning. If you read the entire." letter of 1 John, you see it over and over and over again. This idea that at the core of creation was the idea of loving others. In fact, it's the very essence of God's creation. It's it's all about love. God's redemption for sins of every man is about love. From the time of Adam and Eve, it's been about love. And in various ways, God has been teaching his people over and over and over again that we should love one another. Um, maybe this is, is, is true uh, in your life too, but I, I grew up in a home um, where there were some things that my parents taught me from the very beginning. Um, is there anything that you can think of that you say, man, I remember. My mom and dad have been trying to teach me this since I was really little. Anybody got anything that they can think of off the top of their head? I mean, like that is like a core of your parents' teaching. Let me give you an example of what I'm thinking of, and maybe that would help you think of something my dad from the time i was really little i mean even like a child i remember him um you know when you get goofing around with your parents sometimes you smack them in the face my daughter thinks it's really funny to smack me in the face and it drives me nuts Um, and the reason it drives me nuts is because my dad taught me from like i remember being maybe four or five years old and him telling me that that is the most disrespectful thing you could ever do to someone is to smack him in the face and his mom taught him that I mean, that was a part of their generation, and it was just instilled in me, and I know it's kind of a silly thing. Um, Another thing that I think of is I remember my mom always teaching me that you never invited yourself over to somebody else's house. And you never ate their food unless they offered it to you first. I had friends that would come over to my house and just eat everything in the refrigerator without even asking. They'd just be like, next thing you know, their head's in the refrigerator and they're eating food. It's like... Nobody says you could have that. I mean, those are what I'm talking about. So is anybody, anybody got anything that you can think of? Just maybe quickly we'll share just one thing that you say, you know what? That's been being taught to me since day one. Anybody think of anything? Manners. Just, just in general manners. Don't invite a friend over if the friend's standing right next to you. <laughs> See, that, that's kind of what I'm thinking, yeah. Like, you mean standing right like next to your parents? And, like, it, it, I walk up with my Hey, yeah, like put some on the spot. My mom hated that. That was a good way to get. Yeah, that was a good way to get in trouble. Never show up to a party Yeah. No. Yeah, always Yeah, my mom and my grandma always did that. Yeah, that's That's Allison too. a nice meal. Man. So there are things that have been instilled in you. From the time you were very little. And, and it's true for me and I can think of probably many other things. And this is what John is basically saying here. We've been, we've been teaching about love since the beginning. That's, that's who we are is to be people of love. And then John gives an example of one of the earliest accounts of where somebody really screwed this up. Look at verse 12. He says, Do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil. And his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers, if the world hates you. See, John warns, warns us to not be like Cain. He belonged to the evil one. He, he, he did not love his brother. He did not love God the way that he should. Um, <clears throat> John points out this out as a reminder to the readers and to those here, here who hear this message that the love has existed from the beginning, but so has hatred. So has hatred. From its very from the very beginning of creation and, and and I think we could probably sit down and really dive into this pretty deeply and get real you know t- a little heavy, maybe too heavy, but I've always explained it like this: when God created good, the opportunity for evil came into into being um, and again, I'm not exactly sure on the origins of evil, and we could talk about that all day, but when we have the opportunity to choose right there's automatically an opportunity to choose wrong. And so, at the moment that man was given opportunity to choose between love and hatred, good and evil, right and wrong, there was an opportunity for us to go against the ways of God and choose the ways of Satan. It is possible that you've struggled at some point in your life with a dilemma like this where you have to choose between good and evil. It's possible that the reason that you struggle with loving other people maybe is because... Of jealousy? Anybody ever willing to admit that you've maybe been jealous of somebody? Once? Twice? Three times a lady? Um, You know, I've been jealous a few times. Um, Have you ever hated anybody, though, that you'd be willing to admit? What about the girl that you mentioned in Sunday school last week? pretty close, though. Very strongly. Yeah, I mean, I admit, hate is a strong word, but I think sometimes we need to check ourselves a little bit. Um, <clears throat> We got to watch ourselves to not be like Cain, because jealousy is what got Cain in so much trouble. Um, you, you're, you're trying to love others and, 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 and God the way that you should, but you know what? There's... Unfortunately, sometimes it's difficult to do that. And, and you know what? I think it's even more difficult because as we, as Christians, start to love people, other people will hate us for that love. John says, do not be surprised if the world hates you. Not because you're so good looking or because you have so many good things or what, but because you're a person of love. So if you're a believer, you call yourself a Christian, we should not be surprised when the world hates us. Um, when you do what is right, when you go what, against the grain and, you, and you, you know, you're forging a path that's beyond what others are doing, you're probably going to experience at least once or twice here and there some uh, discrimination or some uh, maybe people not being so nice. Um, nobody ever said following Christ is going to be easy though. Jesus went to the cross and even many of his disciples in fact all of them I think except for one as I recall at the top of my head was killed for their faith. So um you know we don't exactly have good company there when it comes to that. I mean uh and even the one that didn't get killed for his faith was boiled alive. I mean that sounds exciting, doesn't it? Let's just yeah, I think I would just rather be killed. Just Does she... No? You want... She just wants to be boiled alive. Just turn that tub up as hot as you can get her. (laughs) Put some bubbles in it. Get me my rubber ducky. We'll have a good time. (laughs) Um, Cain is such a great example for this, though. If you remember the story, Cain, he... uh, Him and his brother, this is the first account of, of, of a birth from Adam and Eve. I mean, this is... We we are assuming that they are the first two children um, <clears throat> that have been birthed to this earth, and Cain he brings some fruit and and, and um, of the soil as an offering to God, and then Abel he brings the fat portions. If you remember how that story goes, and and Abel's offering was the first fruits; it was the best, but Cain's was kind of just uh, whatever he had left over, and. You know God was pleased with Abel, but not with Cain, and Cain became very angry, and later he took his brother out into the field and he killed him. And <clears throat> John says, do not be like Cain. Do not let jealousy and anger overtake you. Uh, and, and I don't know, it's probably hard for us to admit from time to time, but that jealousy does have a tendency to take over, and hatred and anger have a tendency to take over, and we cannot let that be for us. Um, Look with me at Matthew... Well, I'll just read it. Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 through 22. Jesus says, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. John explains that people will hate you for your faith and for your love, but because of our love for our brothers, we know... He says in verse 14, we know that we have passed from death to life. Meaning, you and I, when we love, we gain eternity, eternal life because of our love for our brothers. You listen to what he says. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. See, when, when, when we don't love, we remain in death. Now, loving people is not necessarily a guarantee that you're going to have eternal life. But it's a really good place to start. I mean, it's, 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 it's a good place to start. We have to have a relationship with Christ first. You could be the most loving person on the planet without a relationship with Christ. You're still not going to experience eternal life with Jesus. But he also says here, You can have surrendered your life to Christ and if you don't love, you still remain in death. Without love, John says, you don't know God. We must love one another. So, let me ask, and you don't have to answer, this is just rhetorical, but have you ever hated anyone? Have you ever not loved anyone the way that you should? I'm really guilty of this at times. I can think of immediately someone in my mind that I've not loved or that I've not... If he was going to get run over by a car, I might pause for a moment on whether I'd let him know. I mean, let's let's be honest. There are people in our lives that we have such disdain for or dislike for. um, And John says, we cannot be like that. We have to love people, even the ones that make us so mad. Um, Are you the type of person... Uh, that loves the way God loves. Would Jesus be proud of the way you love other people? That's that's a tough question for me. I mean, would really think about that for a second. Would Jesus, if you got the opportunity to sit down with Jesus right now, would he be proud of the way you have loved other people? I'm kind of afraid to think about that, honestly. Um... Would he say that you, you said you loved him, but you really were lying? You said you loved him. You pretended like you loved him, but in your heart, you didn't really love him. It was just lip service. See, John tells us how we can know what love is. He says this, verse 16, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for, other, for our brother's. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue but with actions and in truth. We can know what true love is because Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Is there anybody, and we we actually asked this, Tisha asked this in Sunday school last week, um, Is there anyone, honestly, that you would say, you know what, in a heartbeat I would lay my life down for them? Anybody? Uh, Sure, share with the group. Do you have anybody that you say, like, honestly, legitimately, if there was somebody with a gun and they were getting ready to shoot this person, you would jump in front of it for them? Who? Let me guess, Jacob. Not Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Jesse? Your parents? What about you, Ashley? Nathan? I'd probably push my sister in the way. You would save your parents' life? Oh, your brother. What about you, Faith? Just your family that lives in her house. If you're not living in her house and you're related to her, forget about it. Yeah, yeah we got to live with faith. Faith has faith has parameters on her life. What about you, David? Your parents? Maya. Maybe depending on the day, right? Yeah. See, John says we ought to lay our life down for our brothers. Christ's death on the cross was the greatest expression of love that he has for us. Not just for us here who have chosen Christ, but for everyone. And he calls us to do the same. His willingness to die on the cross in our place shows us and John's original audience the kind of love that we ought to have for other people. Um, He goes a little further and says... You know, here that in verse uh, verse eighteen, that it's not just like I said I love you, or I'm going to do my best to love you if it works out and I have time. He says that we should be loving, dear children. Let us love with words, or sorry, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. See, the world says love is conditional, but God says love is unconditional. And that Jesus went to the cross, no strings attached, for every single one of us. God's love never fails. The world says love comes and goes, but God's love is never ending. The world says I can pick and choose who I love and who I don't love, but Jesus did not pick and choose who he loved when he went to the cross. He died for all that they all may have life and have it abundantly in him. The world says having sex means we are in love. But Jesus showed us that loving others means laying down our life for them. That is how we know what love is. The world says I don't have to love people I don't like or that don't like me. But Jesus said love your enemies and pray for them. That might be one of the hardest verses in scripture. Love your enemies and pray for them. The world says, love is as simple as saying, I love you. Or that I love you is just as good as showing love to someone. But God says that He has shown love by going to the cross and that we ought not show our love with action and in... Or sorry, with word and deed, but with action and in truth. See, for you and me, life without love leads to a really dark path. Um... Living without love leads to jealousy. It leads to bitterness and heartache and restlessness and selfishness and brokenness and hate. And, uh, you know, as as we're going to close, Nathan's going to come lead us another song here in a minute. I want to just challenge you to think about those people, you know. Olivia, I would say to you, think about that girl that you have so much trouble loving that just gets on your nerves. And I know what that's like because, like I said, I can immediately think of someone right now that just... so frustrating to me. Whoever it is that you would say is the most difficult person in your life to love, I want you to spend the next few moments as Nathan sings this song to really think about that. And maybe ask the Lord to help you to love them, give you grace to love them, give you the opportunity to show them love, even if it means you have to swallow your pride a little bit and say, (sighs) I'd rather hit you, but I'm going to love you anyways. You probably deserve to be hit, but I'd rather love you anyways. May we be people of love, and may we be people who do what God has called us to do. In the greatest commandment, we love God with all our heart, mind, and strength, and we love our neighbor as ourself. Perhaps we even need to ask for forgiveness tonight. For God to forgive us for the hate that we've had in our heart for somebody else. May our relationships be be better, stronger, more fulfilling because we love. May we abound in love, in the love of God and be so filled with his love that our love or <clears throat> sorry. May we abound in the love of God and be so filled with his love that we love others in the same manner that he loves us, that we would be willing to lay down our life. One of my favorite verses in the scriptures is is First Thessalonians 3.12. It says this, And may the Master pour on the love so that it fills your lives and splashes over on everyone around you. I love the image of the idea of God filling us so much so with His love that it just splashes. You ever fill the bathtub up too much? Um, or like overflow a cup too much? It just pours over the sides? May that be our lives with the love of God that it just pours over onto other people.